You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. Welcome back to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. This is Garrett Ashley Mullet. I'm going to try and talk in such a way that when Michelle Kanashog listens to this on half speed, because it sounds like I'm drunk, it will not quite sound so much like I am drunk. That was a funny little conversation I had day before yesterday. Today is, by the way, Tuesday, September 7th, 2021. So the day before yesterday was Sunday morning. But Michelle Kanashog comes up and talks with me at church, says, I have something funny to tell you. If you're not offended, I hope you're not offended. When you listen to your podcast on half speed, it really sounds like you're drunk, Uh, which is hilarious. And I did. Sure enough, I had to come home and I had to try that out. And I listened to my own podcast on half speed. And she's right. She is right. It does sound like I'm drunk. If you can't do that on Anchor, the app, or the website, if you're doing, you're listening to this podcast on your computer or your smartphone, try maybe Amazon Podcasts or Audible because we're on there now, which is exciting. It's kind of surreal, actually, because we listen to Amazon Music quite a lot. Seems like that's become our go-to and finding my podcast on there was pretty cool. Uh, I also listen to a lot of audiobooks. I listen to a lot of audiobooks. And so for me to find myself on Audible, also a cool moment. You know, it's funny. It, I think a lot of people would imagine, who've never dabbled in this space at all, you, you would imagine that there's a feeling of being elevated, Right? Like, I'm being brought up to this lofty pedestal. But actually, if anything, it's it's almost the opposite, where I see other people who are occupying this space, who are on these platforms, I see them now in a more human light than I did before, I think. I see them now as just people, right? There's a There's a person just like me, who is creating content, who's writing, who is podcasting, who is recording, who's publishing, who's trying to grapple with. Is this a value-added proposition for an audience? Are they going to benefit from this? What did I actually say? Did I say too much? Was I too bold or was I not bold enough? Am I leading or am I following here? So rather than seeing myself as being elevated, finding my own name on Audible and Amazon Music, I actually find myself feeling less intimidated, less in awe of the other folks that for years I've listened to. But in any measure, I would encourage you, if you like Audible, if you like Amazon Podcasts, listen to this on there. Encourage your friends. Let your friends know. You can find it on there. But today... I want to talk about boldness, and I want to talk about being of a sound mind. 
And I was thinking yesterday, in the midst of being very, very tired, I was just extremely tired. I don't even fully understand why I was so tired. I have to wonder if to some extent I'm just depressed, honestly. I'm just discouraged and I'm feeling frustrated with certain things not going along in the manner and at the pace that I was expecting them to. And just not quite handling that disappointment as well as I might. I have to wonder if that isn't part of it. And yes, there's the activity level. There is working more hours. There is uncertainty at work, on the news. Our house is just about to be on the market. It's not quite just yet. We had a little bit of delay getting a call back from some people who need to do some work. Got everything cleaned up last week. We got a washing machine that no longer works, carted off, hauled off to the dump. Now we've got a gal lined up for tonight who's going to do some touch-up painting, some scuffs and things like that, an area where the TV was on the wall. She's going to get those things addressed. But still, in the meantime, it's just this big question mark of... Are we going to sell the house? Are we going to sell it for a profit? Are we going to get enough money out of it to where we can rearrange our financial situation and buy something down here? There's a lot of question marks. And at work, I've been talking here recently, and I'm not afraid to mention that my schedule has been changed. The number of hours that I can bill for work has been changed and not in a way that I like and not in a way that I chose, not in a way that benefits me, in a way that I'm very displeased about. And I don't think I should, I, you know, I, I think that's also, I mean, it's, it's like a compound complex thing, but I'm frustrated about the fact that that has changed and I don't feel like I have any power over it to affect it. And maybe I do. I did appeal the one thing. Actually, I appealed both of them. And the first appeal was basically, it fell on deaf ears for the most part. But this most recent thing, I might get a call here in a few hours when I go in. And I might be told, no, just go back to what you were doing. In the meantime, this morning, I woke up at 3.30. I was awake at 3.30 a.m., and could not get back to sleep because I'm thinking to myself about should I go in at 0700 in the meantime while my appeal is in process or should I stay home a little longer, sleep a little longer, try to work my podcast in and go in the time that I usually was going in or should I get up now, record now and then I can leave and be out the door in time to get there at 0700. Well, I won't tell you which I chose, but I will say it's 4.49, and I've been awake for an hour. So uh, an hour and a quarter, because as soon as I start turning these things over in my head over and over and over again, 
next thing you know, it's like, well, now my bit, now, now my mind is too busy. Now my brain is too active. It's going too fast for me to slow it down again and go back to sleep. And for how long? Right? For an hour and a half, for two hours, and then I'm up again. Like, I might as well just get up now. I'll, I'll get up. I'll advance the coffee maker that was going to start brewing my coffee in an hour and a half. I'll get it started now. And I'll get to work. And maybe I crash mid-afternoon. But I am really committed to doing this podcast thing. This really matters to me. And I think at a certain point, a man has to reach a critical mass of that's enough. That's enough things. This has been whittled. That's been whittled. This has been pared away. This has been infringed on. And at a certain point, a man has to just say, no, this, this is important. You have to know what's worth fighting for. If you won't stand for anything, you'll fall for everything as the saying goes. But again, though, part of the complex stress and frustration of the moment is having that initial frustration and stress of the moment, and then to compound it, feeling guilty about feeling stressed and frustrated in the moment, if that makes sense. I feel frustrated that I'm frustrated. Where do you go with that? I feel stressed that I'm stressed. That's a vicious cycle in the making. At a certain point, you have to just accept that, you know what? This is a human emotion. It's a very reasonable emotion for me to be feeling right now frustrated. I am frustrated that my schedule just got jacked with arbitrarily. Yes. Yes, I am frustrated. And I have every right to be frustrated. Any reasonable person whose schedule mattered to them, would be frustrated. So I say that, and is that okay to say? I think that's correct. You know, it reminds me of the beginning of James, where James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all generously without finding fault. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. For the man who doubts is like a wave of the sea, tossed. He's a double-minded man, unstable in everything that he does. Double-minded man, unstable in all that he does. You know what? Honestly, I'm kind of feeling it. I, I'll be honest with you. I'll just level with you. I'm feeling that. I'm feeling that double-mindedness. And no small part of it is that there are people who don't like me, who are trying to put me in a corner, put me under their thumb. And I'm not sure what to do about it because it feels a little bit like a lose-lose. It feels like you push back against that, you kick against that, you fight that. And all of a sudden you might be in trouble for fighting it. And if you don't fight it and you don't push back against it, and they're emboldened and they think, oh, great, okay, I can just keep doing this over and over and over again. Well, then you lose that way too. And so I'm really wrestling with, honestly, I'm really wrestling with what to do about the emotions of the moment, this frustration, 
and not really feeling free to express those emotions. You get some person who's jealous or they feel threatened, and so they start trying to box you out, or they straight start trying to take little indirect swipes at you, cut you down to the size that they feel like is going to be manageable for them or they won't be jealous of. And what do you do? Call them out on it. You say, hey, knock it off. Well, what if they don't? Then what? Right? Does anybody have your back if the power dynamics are not in your favor? That's a question. Is it just more trouble than it's worth to bother at a certain point? Do you just say, all right, whatever, whatever, I don't care. I just don't care. But then that's dangerous, right? And again, as I said, I think that's part of what I was grappling with yesterday is the I don't care, right? No, I do care, right? So now I'm just going to kind of fake it. I'm going to pretend that I don't care, but I actually care a great deal. I'm actually really, really bothered by this, extremely bothered by this. Because it isn't just coming from one direction. It's a lot of people engaging the current circumstance in an unhealthy, dysfunctional way. All of this uncertainty with regards to America's place in the world has some people, lots of people, plenty of people, agitated. We, if we're paying attention to the news and the markets and the economy, we hear that major inflation is about to hit and it's going to drive the cost of everything way up. And I go into a diner in Briggsdale, or rather New Raymer, New Raymer, Colorado. I go into this diner the past week or two to eat my lunch, to pick up my lunch, take it back to the plant. Very rarely do I dine in. And only then by request, somebody requests that we eat there. But I go in and they've got a list. They've got a list of things that they've run out of food-wise. Well, I suppose. I suppose we're about due. We're about due for that kind of circumstance. And so there's a big part of me that's just like, well, Garrett, what are you surprised about? Right? You've been saying these kinds of things would happen for a number of years. Well, yeah, but that doesn't mean that it's easy. right? You can see that hard times are coming, it doesn't necessarily mean that you know precisely what to do about them when they come. So here's part of what I'm grappling with. I do this preaching and teaching training. And I go up and I've preached my two sermons so far. And getting feedback is good. I get the feedback that, hey, I'm extremely well-spoken, very articulate, very easy to listen to from the standpoint of having a smooth voice, having a rich baritone, as Paul Pavlik puts it. I have a pleasant-sounding voice. But one of the things, one of the concerning elements is that I'm holding back. They know it. I know it. I know that I'm holding back. So why am I doing that? Well, I'll tell you why. I'm I'm holding back because I'm not 
convinced I have permission to be open. And I, I don't even know entirely why that is, except that I have a work situation, a longstanding work situation in which I pop my head up and am myself. And as soon as I start to relax just a little bit and feel at ease, someone comes along like, like whack-a-mole and they want to be unpleasant. And when it starts to affect the bottom line of my family's financial budget and our time budget, it's like, well, maybe that just teaches me to not, maybe the lesson learned is to not be comfortable, to not be relaxed at all, to not let my guard down at all, to not be personable at all, because as soon as I do, this joker over here is going to conclude that I'm not taking my job seriously or that I'm not coming at this with a sense of urgency. See, there's a big difference. And this is what frustrates me. And I've, I've had this criticism before, and it's not the same criticism that I'm getting from preaching and teaching training. I'm not saying that. That's a valid criticism. I'm holding back. You're absolutely right. I just don't entirely know what to do about it. You're right. You're right that I'm doing that. You're right that I shouldn't be doing that. You're right that it's not helpful and that it is probably in some extent, to some extent, difficult to watch, uncomfortable, awkward, painful maybe. It's painful for me to watch to some extent. But with the work situation, I remember when I was at Total Quality Logistics in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I would call truck drivers and dispatchers on a morning-by-morning basis, check in, see where they're at, try to get loads booked, get status updates, get ETAs. Are you running into any problems? Here's the instructions for you to make delivery. I'll let the customer know that you're on your way and you'll be here at this time and da 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 You know, all that kind of stuff. And I was easygoing and level. And I never called truck drivers and cursed them out, yelled at them, called them nasty things. I never abused truck drivers or dispatchers. I got frustrated with one because he's being an absolute jerk, total jerk. But I happen to believe that treating people with respect will get you the most out of them that you possibly can get out of them. And that being a default jerk until somebody has supposedly earned the right to be treated with a modicum of decency, dignity, that creates enemies. And when you create enemies, pretty soon you find yourself having to watch your back all the time. And you find yourself being resisted in everything that you suggest because people don't want to give you an inch after you have come swooping in from the get-go trying to seize miles. So I operate in the former fashion. I operate in the treat people with respect, be kind, be courteous, be pleasant as much as possible. But boy, howdy, do bullies get under my skin in a real way. That's my problem with the whole social justice thing because this is not, this is not martyrs who are standing up for those who have no voice, who are defenseless, who are innocent, 
speaking truth to power. No, they are the power. And they're cloaking their vindictive, bitter, malicious bullying in moral crusading as if they're the good ones. No, you're not the good ones. This is a way, this is the Salem witch trial. That's what this is. You point the finger at somebody and you say they're a witch. And next thing you know, the kangaroo court is sending them to be burnt at the stake on your testimony, little girl, little boy. It's bullying and it drives me up the wall and it frustrates the tar out of me. And then do you know what else frustrates the tar out of me? It frustrates the tar out of me when you see bullying going on and you confront it and you say, hey, knock it off. You're out of line. That's not how we treat people. And then you get the nice people who weren't paying attention to the initial bullying who start swooping in like the kindergarten teacher who stepped out onto the recess playground five minutes too late. And next thing you know, you're getting chided about the need to play nice. Oh, wait a second. No, I'm, I'm trying to explain to you. He was bullying that little girl over there. No, 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 no. no I don't want to hear it. No, we just don't treat people that way. Right now, it's just a very, very confusing time, I think. When you pay attention to the news, you watch what's going on in Afghanistan. And it's just, I, it, honestly, the fall of Afghanistan is harder for me than 9-11 was. Ten times harder. I think this fall of Afghanistan business is the hardest thing I've ever had to watch in terms of news, in terms of current events. It is the most gut-wrenching, sickening, nauseating, frustrating thing because it is absolutely dishonorable. There's no honor in it whatsoever. No honor. There's no honor, no integrity, no honesty, no courage. It's disgraceful. It's disgusting. It makes me sick. And it makes me sick that part of what has made it possible that we abandon men, women, and children to torture and death is people in this country who care nothing so much about anything as they do their own comfort. And you, you look at how this is all unfolding and you see the way that people will still make excuses and they'll still shrug and they'll still say, well, yeah, that happens. Read history. Democrats, Republicans, they're all to blame. It's everyone's fault. And from that, do you know what I gather? Do you know what I conclude? I conclude that there is no justice in this land and that it doesn't matter if I'm right. The way things are right now, might makes right. And that introduces a whole host of temptation for all parties concerned. Next thing you know, people are doing whatever's right in their own eyes they're building strength. They're being very cunning and guileless. Guileless folks like me. Or like I try to be. Without guile, without deception. We find ourselves getting the short end of the stick. And the hard thing about that is when I'm the sole breadwinner, when I'm the one going and making the money and coming home, and still needing to provide for more than just our financial needs, 
needing to be here, mind, body, soul, heart for my wife and children, for other people, other people outside of the work context. If I am not bullying my way through all of these situations, and if I'm not repaying evil for evil, and if I'm not being super cunning and deceptive, dishonest, and manipulative, well then what? What becomes of me? I mean, the truth is that there is an answer to that question. It has everything to do with trusting the good Lord. And that can sound very trite. I get it. If you're in a similar situation, you have been in a similar situation, you wince and you say, ah, okay. But really, truly, I mean, that is what the biblical admonition is. Catchy Christian culture, Christian pop culture, truisms aside, that is what the scriptures say. We trust in the good Lord. Now, it just so happens that the good Lord does mete out justice. You either get his mercy or you get his justice. Those are the options. Short-term, medium-term, long-term. At some point, you will have to either get his mercy or his justice, period. And when you put it in those terms, you know what? If I am a recipient of his mercy, then this current nonsense needs to be put in proper context, in proportion. And if I'm a recipient of his mercy and this person over there is not, that means they're going to be a recipient of his wrath. And so do I need to feel like there is no justice when there's a God in heaven who sees, who remembers, who will deliver justice? He will. Anybody who gets triggered by that word justice, aside from social justice, and that's the whole reason why social justice is a thing, by the way. We make social justice because we don't like justice just in and of itself. We want a different kind of justice. Well, that's what God would call injustice, actually. Perverting justice, actually. But I think we as Christians, and I say this sincerely, and, I'm not, and not in a self-serving way, I hope. I hope. But I think we as Christians really need to get better at expressing the full range of emotions and not only smiles and happiness, not only joy. You know, I, I get frustrated, honestly, with the folks who are obviously not actually joyful all the time, but they put a happy face on in a fake way in the church all the time. And by all means, if you're just a naturally upbeat, happy person all the time, great, great. God bless you. You're a joy to be around. But if you're not, then it's almost worse to pretend, isn't it? It's almost worse. Like It's almost like a boomerang effect to pretend at joy and fake it till you make it. I'm supposed to be joyful. Well, okay. Why aren't you? I mean that. Not in a rhetorical, like, you should be. But I mean, like, why? Why are you not? What's going on? Is there a conflict? Maybe that's part of what this is. 
There's a conflict that is not resolved. And maybe it's not even resolvable in your power. And you just need to accept that. Insofar as it depends on you, strive to live peaceably with all men. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'll keep saying it over and over again because I need to remind myself. It does not entirely depend on you whether you can live peaceably with all men. It doesn't. It doesn't. You don't get to unilaterally decide whether to live peaceably with all men. It depends on them also. And at a certain point, you have got to enjoy the fruits of your labors in having strove to live peaceably with all men. If they refuse to live peaceably, then you can have a good conscience instead of eating yourself up. Well, if I would have said this different, or if I would have done that better, or if I would have been quicker, or if I would have... Whatever. You know what? At a certain point, some people just need to be told, that's enough. You're out of line. I'm not out of line. You're out of line. And it's not out of line for me to tell you, you're crossing a line right now. Stop. Please. In fact, sometimes that is the kindest thing we can do, is draw a line. And I'm not saying... That's the most short-term beneficial thing to us personally when we do that. It was the episode I did yesterday where I talked about popularity. This is what gets Christians persecuted. Telling sinners that their sin is real. The sin that they enjoy. They, They don't accidentally commit that sin. They commit that sin on purpose because they like it. But It's wrong. And God's not pleased with their sin. And they need to repent of it. And they need to come to Jesus. What did you say to me? How dare you? How dare you be a buzzkill right now? You hate me. No, I don't hate you. Actually, I care more about you than any of the other people in your life, apparently. Because I'm caring about your soul. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? I'm caring about the most important thing in your reality, past, present, or future. I I hate you? No, I don't hate you. I'm frustrated with you, but I don't hate you. Come to Jesus. You know, I think there is, as I was saying before, I think there's some validity to that criticism that I've gotten, and I say I say criticism. It's fine, right? It's fine to be criticized sometimes. Sometimes we need to be criticized. Sometimes you need critics to tell you what's not working, what needs to be better. Otherwise, you don't get better. But the critics are right in that I'm holding back, I'm restraining myself. And as a result, the output, the product is going to be awkward and stilted, and people are not going to know why. And so are you just delaying the inevitable to pretend, to fake being all right? No, I'm not all right. Okay. X, Y, and Z. These are issues. And maybe, honestly, maybe sometimes saying that out front to people is casting pearls before swine or giving to dogs what is holy. And Jesus says, don't do it. But at at a minimum, we should be taking those things 
to God. We should be taking all of the things that we might be anxious about to God in prayer. Be anxious for nothing, we read. But in everything, in prayer and supplication, present your requests to God. Elsewhere we read, cast your cares on him for he cares for you. I think I need to remind myself to do that in a more intentional way. And I mean that coming from a place of growing frustration and anxiety, pent up tension that is not healthy. It's not good. It's not beneficial. It's not benefiting me one iota, not a bit, not a little bit, not even a just tiny, tiny, tiny little bit. So I need to be bringing that to the good Lord and asking him for wisdom and believing and not doubting that he'll give me wisdom and trusting that he's faithful and trusting that he can be glorified in the midst of trying circumstances. I would encourage you along those same lines. I know I'm not the only one feeling frustrated. I know I'm not the only one feeling depressed. I know I'm not the only one feeling discouraged. I know you are too. So let's be meditating on those things that are true and that are good and that are pure and that are praiseworthy, like the goodness of God, like the faithfulness of God. That's all I've got for this episode. I got to run. As always, thank you for listening. Until next time, God bless. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you just heard, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also check out thegarrettashleymulletshow.com to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at garrettashleymullet at protonmail.com. Thank you.